The Espionage Act of 1917 date colon 1917 annotation, America declared war with Germany in April 1917. Two months later, the United States Congress passed the Espionage Act, which defined espionage during wartime. The act was amended in May 1918. In his war message to Congress, President Wilson had warned that the war would require a redefinition of national loyalty. There were, millions of men and women of German birth and native sympathy who live amongst us, he said. If there should be disloyalty, it will be dealt with a firm hand of repression. In June 1917, Congress passed the Espionage Act. The piece of legislation gave postal officials the authority to ban newspapers and magazines from the mails and threatened individuals convicted of obstructing the draft. With $10,000 fines and 20 years in jail, Congress passed the Sedition Act of 1918, which made it a federal offense to yours. Disloyal, profane, scurrilous, or abusive language, about the Constitution, the government, the American uniform, or the flag. The government prosecuted over 2,100 people under these acts. Document, the Espionage Act of June 15, 1917 Espionage Section 1 that, a, whoever, for the purpose of obtaining information respecting the national defense with intent or reason to believe that the information to be obtained is to be used to the injury of the United States, or to the advantage of any foreign nation, goes upon, enters, flies over, or otherwise obtains information, concerning any vessel, aircraft, work of defense, navy, guard, naval station, submarine base, coaling station, fort, battery, torpedo station, dockyard, canal, railroad, arsenal, camp, factory, mine, telegraph, telephone, wireless, or signal station, building, office, or other place connected with the national defense, owned or constructed, or in progress of construction by the United States or under the control of the United States, or of any of its officers or agents, or within the exclusive jurisdiction of the United States, or any place in which any vessel, aircraft, arms, munitions, or other materials or instruments for use in time of war are being made, prepared, prepared, or stored, under any contract or agreement with the United States, or with any person on behalf of the United States, or otherwise on behalf of the United States, or any prohibited place within the meaning of section 6 of this title, or, b, whoever for the purpose aforesaid, and with like intent or reason to believe, copies, takes, makes, or attains, or attempts, or induces or aids another to copy, take, make, or obtain, any sketch, photograph, photographic negative, blueprint, plan, map, model, instrument, appliance, document, writing or note of anything connected with the national defense, or c. whoever, for the purpose aforesaid, receives or obtains or agrees or attempts or induces or aids another to receive or obtain from any other person, or from any source, whatever, 
any document, writing, codebook, signalbook, sketch, photograph, photographic negative, blueprint, plan, map, model, instrument, appliance, or note, of anything connected with the national defense, knowing or having reason to believe, at the time he receives or obtains, or agrees or attempts or induces or aids another to receive or obtain it, that it has been or will be obtained, taken, made or disposed of by any person contrary to the provisions of this title, or, d, whoever, lawfully or unlawfully having possession of, access to, control over, or being entrusted with any document, writing, codebook, signalbook, sketch, photograph, photographic negative, blueprint, plan, map, model, instrument, appliance, or note relating to the national defense, willfully communicates or transmits or attempts to communicate or transmit them. Same and fails to deliver it on demand to the officer or employee of the United States. Entitled to receive it, or, e, whoever, being entrusted with or having lawful possession. Or control of any document, writing, codebook, signalbook, sketch, photograph. Photographic negative, blueprint, plan, map, model, note, or information, relating to the national defense through gross negligence permits the same to be removed from its proper place of custody or delivered to anyone in violation of his trust, or to be the list. Stolen, abstracted, or destroyed, shall be punished by a fine of not more than $10,000, or by imprisonment for not more than two years, or both. Section 2 Whoever, with intent or reason to believe that it is to be used to the injury of the United States or to the advantage of a foreign nation, communicated, delivers, or transmits, or attempts to, or aids, or induces another to, communicate, deliver or transmit, to any foreign government, or to any faction or party or military or naval force within a foreign country, whether recognized or unrecognized by the United States, or to any representative, officer, agent, employee, subject, or citizen thereof, either directly or indirectly in document, Writing, codebook, signalbook, sketch, photograph, photographic negative, blueprint, plan, map, model, note, instrument, appliance, or information relating to the national defense, shall be punished by imprisonment for not more than twenty years, provided that whoever shall violate the provisions of subsection A of this section in time of war shall be punished by death or by imprisonment for not more than thirty years, and, b, whoever, in time of war, with intent that the same shall be communicated to the enemy, shall collect, record, publish, or communicate, or attempt to elicit any information with respect to the movement, numbers, description, condition, or disposition of any of the armed forces, ships, aircraft, or war materials of the United States, or with respect to the plans or conduct, or supposed plans or conduct of any naval of military operations, or with respect to any works or measures undertaken for or connected with, or intended for the fortification of any place, or any other information relating to the public defense, which might be useful to the enemy, shall be punished by death or by imprisonment for not more than thirty years. Section 3 Whoever when the United States is at war, 
shall willfully make or convey false reports or false statements with intent to interfere with the operation or success of the military or naval forces of the United States or to promote the success of its enemies and whoever when the United States is at war shall willfully cause or attempt to cause insubordination, disloyalty, mutiny, refusal of duty, in the military or naval forces of the United States, or shall willfully obstruct the recruiting or enlistment service of the United States, to the injury of the service or of the United States, shall be punished by a fine of not more than $10,000 or imprisonment for not more than 20 years, or both. Section 4 If two or more persons conspire to violate the provisions of Section 2 or 3 of this title, and one or more of such persons does any act to affect the object of the conspiracy, each of the parties to such conspiracy shall be punished as in said sections provided in the case of the doing of the act the accomplishment of which is the object of such conspiracy. Except as above provided conspiracies to commit offenses under this title shall be punished as provided by section 37 of the act to codify, revise, and amend the penal laws of the United States approved March 4, 1909. Section 5 Whoever harbors or conceals any person who he knows, or has reasonable grounds to believe or suspect, has committed, or is about to commit, an offense under this title, shall be punished by a fine of not more than $10,000 or by imprisonment for not more than two years, or both. Section 6 The President in time of war or in case of national emergency may by proclamation designate any place other than those set forth in subsection, a, of section 1 hurry of in which anything for the use of the army or navy is being prepared, or constructed or stored as a prohibited place for the purpose of this title, provided that he shall determine that information with respect the reto would be prejudicial to the national defense. Section 7 Nothing contained in this title shall be deemed to limit the jurisdiction of the general courts martial, military commissions, or naval courts martial under sections 1342, 1343, and 1600, and 24 of the revised statutes as amended. Section 8 The provisions of this title shall extend to all territories, possessions, and places subject to the jurisdiction of the United States whether or not contiguous. The reto, and offenses under this title, when committed upon the high seas or elsewhere, within the admiralty and maritime jurisdiction of the United States and outside the territorial limits thereof shall be punishable Haruna. Section 9 The Act entitles, an act to prevent the disclosure of national defense. Secrets, approved March 3, 1911, is hereby repealed.
two meetings. Before it meant something about breaking into computers or something. It meant guys who sit all night long on any piece of borrowed equipment they can trying to get program so ultimately perfect. Their stories reveal how hackers were the heroes of the computer revolution, but became outlaws in the world that they created. We imagine hacking to be all about computers, but it wouldn't be possible without the telephone network, and that's where hacking began. In 1970, John Draper was fresh out of the military and was studying electronic engineering when he stumbled across a secret world. It all began with a call from a guy named Denny, who promised to reveal the secrets of a new craze, phone freaking. He started to explain to me about phone freaks. I said, what's a phone freak? And he was explaining to me, well, we play with phones. I said, yeah, I can see that. I said, well, what do you do with phones? And he says, well, we, well, we understand the system. I said, can you make free calls? He said, well, why don't you come on over? I got a couple of friends over here that want to talk to you. I go to the door. His dad answers the door. I says, I'm here to see Denny. He says, Doc, come with me. He takes me in his room, open up his room, and it's like pitch dark in there. And I turn around the lights. They're all blind. They don't You could whistle calls through the network. Let's see if I make it this time. This is really hard to do. It sounded like all the tones were present, so the phone should be ringing a bell now. Okay, it hit the phone. It just takes a while. He even showed off his skills for the local media. Now his one phone to a town in Illinois and back to his other phone, a thousand-mile phone call by whistling. Joe Ingressia says he used to do these things because he is fascinated by the technology. Those are the precursors of the hackers. Those are the founding fathers. For phone freaks like Captain Crunch and Denny, the telephone system was a huge technological playground full of sounds and switches to explore. Thirty years on, 
they're getting together to relive their exploits. Hi, Danny. Hey, buddy. Going out. Go out and go see. Yeah. Hey, there. Hey, Hey. Go on, buddy. Danny. Yeah. Let's go phone trip. I got to try out my new box. The golden rule was never freak from home. If you did... Volkswagen van. Smallest rural area we could find on the map. Go out there and just camp out at a payphone and start hacking. Once they knew the tones that controlled the switches, phone freaks could travel down the lines from exchange to exchange and from city to city. But they needed better ways to make the tones. This was where John Draper's engineering expertise came in. Phone freaking was about to go high tech with the invention of a gadget called the Blue Box. First thing I did was build a blue box. The case you can get down at Radio Shack or anywhere else. It's just a standard old project case. The keyboard pad, I can think we got that from like a junkyard or something like that. The blue box is nothing more than a tone generating device that generates a certain set of tones. And the phone company thinks these tones are coming from their own switching equipment when indeed they're only coming from you, basically. It's the keys of the kingdom. If I wanted an operator in New York, I do key pulse, one, two, one, start, and it can me to the operator in New York. Your call cannot be completed. Equipped with a blue box, phone freaks make calls all over the world, often just for the fun of hearing a recorded message in a foreign language. The fact the phone company allowed the system to be set up that way was really flabbergasting me. I couldn't believe that it was that easy to do. KP182 start. The patterns of the numbers really intrigued me. I was actually in the in an upper level uh, access to the phone company. I was I was in a in a real raw level of access. Blue box technology was Freaking's big bang. The illicit network expanded, and before long, phone freaks were holding secret meetings on conference lines deep inside the system. Most most people would just talk about phones. Most people would talk about, you know, usual things kids talk about their girlfriends and phones and things like that. We had a girl on here, you know, from California. She played operator. It said she had a person-to-person call from Jerry Doyle in Miami. The conferences of those days were kind of like what the chat rooms are today. I'm in Florida, Derek. Hi. Uh, I never talked to you before. Are you in Australia? No, I'm in England. Oh, England. I can't tell the two accents apart, you see. It was a social place for me to meet my friends or friends that were in the same interest that I had. Gee, it's funny being on a conference without, without Big Mouth Jeff, man. <laughs> it was kind of like a secret society. This is the smallest, lightest, most easily concealed blue box now made by underground scientists. But the secret society was growing. When phone freaks have a convention, people don't give their right names. Masks are given out at the door. The only phone freaks, I think, had, uh, did their freaking with the hacker mentality. Uh, one of the most complex systems on Earth at that time was the phone system. And to be able to know its ins and outs was you know, like a very rich field of discovery. There was a guy that called himself around the world from the one payphone around the world with a payphone beside him. He's like, hello, and there's a lag, and hello, how are you? I'm fine, you know? It wasn't just mechanical.
simple switches that the phone freaks learned to manipulate. They also became skilled at manipulating phone company employees, an art they called social engineering. Social engineering aspect of freaking, Denny was the expert on that. That's just, a, that's just the ability of going in and talking to people on the inside of the phone. Of Europe by the end of the Ice Ages, and island people found themselves trapped in a battle of the elements for their very survival. Little did they know that their descendants would eventually unite their island home and want to found an empire that would one day claim ownership of a quarter of the globe. satellite Sputnik 1 was sent into orbit by the Soviet Union. The fear of a missile gap emerged. In order to secure America's lead in technology, the US founded the Defense Advanced Research Project Agency in February 1958. At that time, knowledge was only transferred by people. The DARPA planned a large-scale computer network in order to accelerate knowledge transfer 
and avoid the doubling up of already existing research. This network would become the ARPANET. Furthermore, three other concepts were to be developed, which are fundamental for the history of the Internet. The concept of a military network by the RAND Corporation in America. The commercial network of the National Physical Laboratory in England. And the scientific network Cyclades in France. The scientific, military and commercial approaches of these concepts are the foundations for our modern internet. Let's begin with the ARPANET, the most familiar of these networks. Its development began in 1966. Universities were generally quite cautious about sharing their computers. Therefore, small computers were put in front of the mainframe. This computer, the interface message processor, took over control of the network activities, while the mainframe was only in charge of the initialization of programs and data files. At the same time, the IMP also served as interface for the mainframe. Since only the IMPs were interconnected in a network, this was also called IMP subnet. For the first connections between the computers, the network working group developed the network control protocol. Later on, the NCP was replaced by the more efficient transmission control protocol. The specific feature of the TCP is the verification of the file transfer. Let's take a short detour to England. Since the NPL network was designed on a commercial basis, a lot of users and file transfer were expected. In order to avoid congestion of the lines, the sent files were divided into smaller packets, which were put together again at the receiver. Packet switching was born. In 1962, American ferret aircraft discovered middle and long-range missiles in Cuba, which were able to reach the United States. This stoked fear of an atomic conflict. At that time, information systems had a centralized network architecture. To avoid breakdown during an attack, a decentralized network architecture had to be developed, which, in case of loss of a node, would still be operative. Communication still used to work through radio waves. That would have caused problems in case of an atomic attack. The ionosphere would be affected and the long-wave radio waves wouldn't work anymore. Therefore, they had to use direct waves, which, however, don't have a long range. A better solution was the model of a distributed network. Thus, long distances could be covered with a minimum of interference. Another milestone followed with the development of the French network Cyclades. Since Cyclades had a far smaller budget than ARPANET, and thus also fewer nodes, the focus was laid on the communication with other networks. In this way, the term Internet was born. Moreover, Suklade's concept went further than ARPA's and the MPLs. During communication between sender and receiver, the computers were not to intervene anymore, but simply served as a transfer node. Suklade's protocol went through all machines using a physical layer that was implemented into the hardware, providing a direct connection with the receiver, an end-to-end -end structure. Inspired by the Suklades network and driven by the incompatibility between the networks, their connection gained in importance everywhere. 
The phone companies developed the X.25 protocol, which enabled communication through their servers, in exchange for a monthly basic charge, of course. DARPA's transmission control protocol was to connect the computers through gateways. And the International Organization for Standardization designed the OSI reference model. The innovation of OSI was the attempt to standardize the network from its ends and the channel's division into separate layers. Finally, the TCP assimilated the preferences of the OSI reference model and gave way to the TCP IP protocol, a standard which guaranteed compatibility between networks and finally merged them, creating the Internet. By February the 28th, 1990, the ARPANET hardware was removed. But the internet was up and running.
listening to men behind the machine. It's in the end for you and me. Man behind the machine. Gentlemen, we can rebuild him. We have the technology.